Welcome back to the Checkdown Pod. We'll start off this week's episode with a recap of the championship games. Then we'll throw the red flag, a segment in which we'll each give a hot take and discuss. We'll cap things off with a rundown of the latest coaching hires and give our thoughts on the vacancies that have yet to be filled. I'm your host, Richard, and now let's throw it to my co-host, Harry. It's great to be back again. These games, you know, somewhat questionable to start first with Eagles and Niners, but the Bengals and Chiefs really, it was a great game that, you know, made up for whatever was lacking in game one. Uh, So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. Yes, definitely. That nightcap uh, kind of saved uh, sun- the Sunday slate. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's so yeah, start with Eagles-Niners. Yep. Um, I mean, we can start with the Eagles. Um, they clearly just dominated this game. Didn't really even look particularly close. But do you have any thoughts on the Eagles' offense offensively they're not that this is anything new but they're just like running the ball so well and they did a really good job of first of all that offensive line is like so unbelievable and it's like they know that it's crazy and they're just going to use it and they're going to they're going to like pound the rock over and over again and obviously they were up by so much that they just were going to run the ball the whole game and that kind of is their forte is get up early and then run the ball but they just did a great job of executing it, which they always have. You know, there was definitely the offensive line in the the run blocking game. I mean, they opening up holes for Kenneth Gainwell, who I think we both agree had a really nice game, and Miles Sanders. Yeah. Um, and then one more comment I'm going to make on the offense is that Jalen Hurts is just not the best thrower of the football these days. Um, you know, he yeah, but, missed AJ Brown wide open for a touchdown. He like he's he's overthrowing receivers. He's not perfectly accurate, and he's just now not that he needs to be at all times. He didn't need to be in this game, but it's just like in a shootout against the Chiefs, he might need to be. Yeah, definitely. I think the the narrative of, and I think the Eagles just let's call it what it is domination of the Niners kind of clouded and overshadowed the fact that Jalen Hurts had a pretty bad game. Can we call it that? Absolutely. Um, Like you said, he just was missing his wide receivers. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, one of the best duos in the league. you got to get them the ball. Got to get put it in their hands and let them run after the catch. Got to be able to hit them downfield, which he struggled to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that could become a glaring hole against uh, the Chiefs, where if this Chiefs offense is dominant and they're moving the ball and it becomes a shootout and you need Jalen Hurts to go on a legacy drive down three and, uh, you know, score a touchdown and win you a Super Bowl uh, in a two minute drill. I don't know if he can do that. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see with. The way Patrick Mahomes played this weekend, we'll get to that later, but can Jalen Hurts even compete with that, even with this plethora of weapons at his disposal and this amazing offensive line? Yeah, should be very interesting to see how that goes. Uh, And now, unless you have anything else on the Eagles here, we can briefly talk about the 49ers who, honestly, like I thought the 49ers were going to win this game, um, but at the very least, make it close. Um, so yeah, if you have any thoughts about the quarterback situation or anything else on that offense. Um, I do think that, I mean, they, they couldn't win this game once Purdy got hurt. Not that Purdy is this like excellent quarterback, but once you are throwing in Josh Johnson, who is not good to say the least, um, you're not – you can't win a game against the Eagles. Like, they just couldn't throw the ball. I think Christian McCaffrey had the highest uh, thrower rating on PFF for them this week, which is, like, <laughs> stupid. And I think he only um, attempted one pass. So, yeah, and, and it was it, – and it was incomplete. So, it gets – it's so stupid. Um, 
like what they had to work with but overall like it's hard to say anything about this offense they just didn't have a chance um and i just think that the decision to leave hassan reddick kind of unblocked or against a tight end that ended the game for them it got brock pretty hurt it, w- it also allowed like the quickest pressures of all time and yeah that was stupid no yeah the, the 49ers offensive line did not look good even trent williams who's like probably the best tackle in the league he looked a little he looked a little uh shaky at that left tackle spot um and yeah the eagles pass rush with their depth and that rotation they're gonna keep wearing you down and this offense didn't look up to the challenge yeah, is there any absolutely any thoughts i know that this the game was probably out of reach at this point but in the fourth quarter when Josh Johnson went down with the concussion and Kyle Hanahan, Kyle Shanahan threw Brock Purdy back back out there even though knowing that he wasn't going to be able to put anything on the ball would you have maybe gone with a wildcat with Debo and Christian McCaffrey alter, uh, alternating under center yeah i mean Listen, it would have changed nothing. They still lose the game. There's there's nothing to do about it. But I feel like this is the perfect team to run some stupid wildcat offense and just, like, see what happens. You have Debo. You have McCaffrey. You have Juszczyk. You could do a bunch of random crap with those guys. And I feel like this would have been not for the sake of winning a football game because I don't think it changes the outcome. But for the sake of fun, I think it would have been so fun to see that offense try and function without a quarterback because the, the offense is so QB proof that I don't think it even needs a quarterback in it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I mean, you saw when Brock Purdy was literally throwing the ball just in his wrist and not able to put anything on it. And they knew the run was coming. Christian McCaffrey still getting five yards per carry. Like he, He's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the 49ers, their offense didn't look good, to say the least. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays into the offseason discussions around quarterback with Purdy's injury and the timetable of six months. Um, do uh, What is the plan for them going into the offseason? And what do they think of Brock Purdy and Trey Lance? And is that enough? I think if I'm the GM, I think... This is, listen, no one, you should never celebrate anyone getting hurt. And I'm not celebrating Brock Purdy's injury. I think that this is somewhat of a blessing for the future of their franchise, because I think it means that they're going to allow Trey Lance another opportunity. And I think Trey Lance is the better quarterback. Um, And I think if given that opportunity, he will show out to be the better quarterback. And I think he's going to end up being the starter for them next year. Uh, but I really hope that's not the case, and I hope he gets traded to my Giants. Yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting – I think maybe you can group like him, maybe Jordan Love into that category of guys who haven't really had the chance to prove it, but definitely have high potential. And like, There's a reason the 49ers gave up what they did for Trey Lance. Uh, yeah. he, I mean, what he showed, the athleticism and the arm talent at North Dakota State, like it's real. So, yeah, I agree. I think there there have been a lot of calls on social media and just, I think, in, in the media in general, the football world. Is it Tom Brady to San Fran now more of a possibility where a week ago you would have thought that's crazy? I don't know. I agree with you. I think they should probably rock with Trey Lance and let Purdy be the backup next year. But – what are any thoughts on Brady possibly going out to the Bay? I don't like it. And also like this offense is so built on like these bootlegs and these, these whatever's like these play action, like building off the run, uh, these like outside zone, whatever. It's just like Tom Brady does not have the mobility. You don't need to be the most mobile guy, but you do need to be able to kind of move around Tom Brady is an old man, and I, I don't think he fits perfectly what San Francisco wants to do. And I think San Francisco can adjust their offense 
to be more Tom Brady compatible, but it just, it's a waste of resources when you've invested so much into Trey Lance. You have this guy in Brock Purdy who has shown that he can get you to the conference championships. Um, I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't even mind a contract extension uh, to stay with the Niners if you were to offer that. There's just so much at your disposal for so much cheaper that it's such a waste of money, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think I think that's fair. And just to like piggyback off what you just said, something I haven't really thought about, but is there a world in which the Niners can apply the franchise tag on Jimmy G and then see how Purdy is health wise? And if he's not ready, then maybe you trade Jimmy G or is it that too risky? Would you just let him walk? I think it's definitely interesting. It's something they could do, but with the franchise tag being like 32 and a half million or something like that this year, it's it's hard to give that to Jimmy Garoppolo when you have a you have two guys who you feel like could be pretty good for you. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely talk about the offseason quarterback situation around the league in a couple of weeks. Um, but before we go on to the AFC championship, anything from the 49ers defense that you liked or weaknesses, maybe? Um, Javon Kinlaw is awful. <laughs> he might be the worst run defender in the history of football. And it's sad because he's such an athletic freak, but he was just so bad. And it didn't change the outcome of the game so much, but they were just running at him all day and he couldn't do anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, if you're good, he already had big shoes to fill when they essentially traded DeForest Buckner for him in a way with that, the pick they received taking Javon Kinlaw with that pick. Um, but yeah, he was just, as you said, in the run game, he was a massive liability and it's not even like he brought that much in the passing game where you're really want him on the field. Yeah. Javon Kinlaw is a certified bust. And it's unfortunate because he's so athletic, but that's the reality. I think, yeah, is there anything else maybe on the 49er defense and any positives, anything you can take away or that they could be looking forward to to next year? Charverius Ward looks pretty good. And yeah, you got to feel pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think what maybe a sentence no one would expect at the beginning of the year Charvarius Ward and Diamador Lenore are maybe serviceable to above average cornerback duo. Yeah. Maybe. And especially for a team like the Niners who don't have the draft capital. Like I don't think they picked till pick 99 this year, which is like yeah, third round, fourth round, third round, whatever it is. Um, For a team that doesn't have draft capital to replace those cornerbacks, Like, you feel pretty good about these guys who've stepped up and become playmakers. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you want to move on to the nightcap? I think we should. Okay, so this game, very different from the first game. It was a shootout till the – pretty much the last seconds of the game in the Chiefs-Bengals game. And I mean, it was hard to take your eyes off this game. Yeah, this was a fantastic game. And it showed early on because there was a lot of question marks surrounding Patrick Mahomes' ankle. But And you, I definitely saw that there were some moments where his ankle got in the way. Like there was a, there was a third down where I felt like it limited him where normally he goes and he extends the play and he's running around and he's doing this and he's doing that. This time he just took a check down, which was interesting. And a five-yard check down on third and eight on in your own territory does nothing for you. So they ended up having to punt, which they would have had to do anyway, even if he got sacked. So I thought that that was interesting. But other than that, Mahomes was still superhuman, even if he's hurt. Yeah, I think we spoke about it last week that maybe even an injured Mo- Patrick Mahomes that's confined to the pocket is still probably the best pocket passer in the league with the possible exception of Joe Burrow. And then... Sunday's game, Mahomes definitely outdueled Burrow. Yeah, definitely. And I think that this just shows 
Mahomes was the best quarterback in the league. And actually, I do think that Joe Burrow played actually very well. Uh, but we'll get to him in a second, uh, despite what the box box score says. Um, Mahomes is just otherworldly. He is so, so good. There's no words to describe how good he is. And it feels like a waste of time to say how good he is because it's just everyone knows. Like, yeah. You, you got to say it. No, definitely. I mean, Joe Burrow played – the fact that the, the Bengals were able to keep – themselves in this game with the way that Patrick Mahomes was playing is a testament to the strength of that team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that overall, like this is, this is probably a lot of people are talking about the chiefs bills rivalry, and this is all going to change in a year because I know as a fact that something else is going to happen and I'll be eating my words. and I'll be saying people were talking about the chiefs, uh, Bengals rivalry, but I actually do think that the Chiefs and Bengals, going even going into these playoffs, were the two best teams in football, um, and I think that this is the real rivalry that's going to last because the Bengals are they got a lot of guys on rookie contracts. They have a lot of and their rookies are stepping up or not rookies but second year guys. These young guys who are on rookie deals who aren't Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are also stepping up, so they're re, they are replenishing their old talent with these new guys or with these underrated guys. And I do think that the Bengals are here to stay as the second best team in the AFC. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, the, it's a quarterback led league. And when you have probably the two best quarterbacks in football, it goes a long way to making you the two best teams in football. Absolutely. Um, anything about other than Patrick Mahomes on that chief's offense that you want to talk about? Um, Nothing in particular. I'll just add that, I mean, Travis Kelsey, it seemed like going into the weekend, he was in a lot of pain with his back spasms. And the fact that he played the way he did and still that just reliable third down target, he, his route running was great. I mean, he, he had played in a great game and, while probably also playing hurt. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is hot take. Travis Kelsey is amazing. <laughs> Very questionable. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know about that one. Um I think Any... also actually another thing is Isaiah Pacheco is yeah. like last week I was like he's not even that great, but in the role that they use him in, I take it back. He didn't run the ball very well, but it's just like there was one play, it was actually a holding call. It was a touchdown uh, where it's just like his vision and his like quick cut ability is so impressive. And there was a hold, so it's easier to find a hole with a hold. But there was still like, there was a lot of just quick cuts um, and just finding finding the backside openings where it was just like, that's like, that's that's great stuff. Um, and he's just like, he's a huge guy, and he, but he's also super fast. It's like, it's that's a great find for the Chiefs, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be the running back that they kind of assumed that they were gonna get with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, but definitely kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum there with Clyde Edwards-Alaire back end of the first round, the never take a quarterback in the first round type of logic, and then you got Isaiah Pacheco in his first season, a seventh round draft pick out of Rutgers, doing things that. Honestly, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has yet to do with the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great juxtaposition. Um, and if is there anything else, or should we move on to the Bengals' offense? On to the Bengals' offense. Or, um, or sorry, unless you want to go back to the Chiefs' defense, because we didn't talk about that. Yeah, I'll say I, I have a lot to say about the Chiefs' mm. defense. First of all, it goes unsaid, but Chris Jones is a game wrecker. We've known this, but especially against that Bengals offensive line, Chris Jones is a monster. Um, but it's just like the fact that they have so many other guys, and I alluded to this last week too, but Frank Clark's a guy. George Karloftis is a guy. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are both guys. Um, it's like that that front seven is like, hey, there's, there's guys there. And it's like they're not – other than Chris Jones, none of them are like, 
whatever. None of them are the upper echelon guys, but they all play their role really well. And they're all like pretty good. Um, and then another guy who I wanted to talk about was Jalen Watson, who is just, it's, he's like, he's a ball hawk. He's just made some incredible plays um, in, in back-to-back games. And yeah, he's really taken me by surprise. Yeah. I think he had to see a little bit more action with the injury to Legereus Sneed. And I mean, he, they played, he's, what, where was he drafted? Was it in I think the, it was the sixth round? Yeah. So again, another one of these late finds for the Chiefs defense that I don't know. I think another guy on that line that you forgot that, that you didn't mention, I'm just gonna shout him out, was Mike Dana. Um, I mm-hmm. thought he he played a great game. Maybe I believe he he's more of a rotational guy, and he wasn't definitely wasn't playing every down. Um, uh, but when he was there. He was a wrecker in the passing game and constant pressure on Joe Burrow. And to be fair, the Steel line was playing against a pretty terrible, banged-up Bengals offensive line. But still, they had a nice game. Yeah, very much so. And, I mean, I could have been an edge rusher and had a great game, but they've been – there is talent there, and they really showed it. Uh, Jalen Watson – is a seventh round pick, by the way. So an absolute steal for the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, anything else on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs? Uh, nothing else. Okay, we can move on to Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense now. Um, yeah, this is the elephant in the room. We've already mentioned it once. That offensive line it is abysmal without with the with all I mean, even Offensive line is not great, even healthy, although very much improved. It is atrocious um, with with all those injuries. When Hakima Deneji is is a starter for you, it's just, oh, what are you going to do? Yeah, Max um, Sharping playing. Yeah, and they just – like Max Sharping was getting murdered by Chris Jones all game. And and the the fact you mentioned Hakeem Adeniji, Chris Jones was lining up at edge and just completely dominating. That was that was outrageous. And I we saw him do that against the Jags a little bit, and it worked sometimes, and it didn't work other times. It worked every time against the Bengals. They literally couldn't do anything to Chris Jones. Yeah, they definitely. Again, this will be more of the talk as we get into the offseason, but they gotta help Joe Burrow and protect Joe Burrow. Yeah, they they definitely need to find ways. And to some extent, as a Giants fan, who is just my my main goal is for the Eagles to lose, is I'm happy the Bengals didn't win because I don't know how they would have gone against that Eagles pass rush with that with this offensive line. Um, but just having like I think the Chiefs, who don't have a great offensive line, are much more suited to being able to handle what the Eagles are going to throw at them. Yeah, I think at least on the interior with the Chiefs, you're pretty confident. And Creed Humphrey is a beast. Maybe the best center in the league. Arguably. Uh, Trey Smith at right guard. And you got Joe Tooney at left guard. So it's a pretty solid inside. The tackles with Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley a bit more questionable. But still, they'll definitely put up a better fight than this Chiefs offensive line. Yeah. And – those like Orlando Brown's not the best pass protector, but he's actually a very good run blocker. So it should be interesting how that trench battle goes. Yeah. Specifically on the inside, like Javon Hargrave is just, he's been, he's such a good pass rusher. That's just like, and Fletcher Cox as well. It's just like, I'd be very intrigued to see how that goes. You know, um, they definitely, those guys, they love their interior pass rushers who can get after the quarterback. Um, and it'll be interesting to see with they're kind of five deep at that D tackle position with like Javon Hargrave, as you mentioned, Fletcher Cox, obviously going to play a big role. The Dominican Sue, um, Linval Joseph and Jordan Davis, who definitely had an up and down year, but it'll be interesting to see if he plays a factor into that. Yeah, uh, definitely more of a run stopper kind of guy and 
will rotate in like that. I don't see him getting too much passing, uh, like passing down reps this week, but yeah. Or next yeah. week. Yeah. Um, is there anything else for the Bengals offense that you want to talk about? Um, I just thought that Joe Burrow played a very underrated game. Yeah. I think when you look at his interceptions, like one of them was like, all right, the first one is like 50% his fault. Um, like he definitely, whatever, we'll, we'll give it to him. That's an interception that you can put on him. The other one was a complete arm punt. And the fact that it even happened was because the ball just hit off of Jamar Chase's helmet. Like he couldn't have put it more accurately. And yeah. yeah. And working with that offensive line to be able to just, there was no run game being able to like, just put your team in a position to win like he did. And people are calling it saying that he played a bad game because he has two interceptions. No, No. he played very well. Yep. Definitely. Joe Joe Burrow played better than the box score will tell you. Um, And him and, Jamar Chase for one of the best like jump ball duos in the league, if not the best. Yeah. Um, and even him and T. Higgins form yeah, one of the that's better true. ones, too. T. Higgins, um, not a great game also. You got to give him yeah. a shout-out there. Um, like, on that touchdown play, impeccable, like, timing and connection between those two. But you were saying? No, I was going to say, and I think – Another thing to talk about is after Tyler Boyd got at um was hurt, the, the offense definitely seemed to stall a little bit and be lacking that difference maker in the slot. Um, so another thing, I think the Eagles' fourth or excuse me, the Bengals' fourth receiver is Trendon Irwin. Um, it's not a great situation, so. Uh, definitely something that they'll want to sort out for next year is just having more of the depth between offensive line and at wide receiver. Uh, that should be a focus of their offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes under the radar how receiver depth is going to be an issue for them or has been an issue for them because their top three receivers are so, so good that it's hard to like think of receiver as a need for them, but it's not really receivers a need. It's just receivers like something where if one of those three go down receiver then becomes a need. Yeah. We, I mean, we even saw that with the chiefs when they lost Kadarius, Tony, McCole Hardman, and I think Juju was out, right? Yeah. I think every receiver was out for some point on the Chiefs. Yeah. So the fact that like you have being able to have, even I can't believe I'm saying this, a guy like Marcus Kemp who could come out there it's a big guy and just catch the ball and do something, be a factor. Whereas Trent Irwin felt as though he could have been guarded by a high school football player. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's a special teamer. He's a, he's not built to be like a receiver who's getting meaningful snaps in this type of game. Nonetheless. Yeah. It's, Whatever. It's it's definitely something that they're going to have to address this offseason. Um, anything else before we move on to that defense? Um, I will just say Joseph Osai had a phenomenal game. And that – that yeah. oh, actually, this is on the defense. So uh, I guess we'll transition there. Joseph Osai, phenomenal game. And the fact he, – he, he really played amazing. Um kind of a breakout game for him a little bit. I mean, he's been injured. He's been, you know, the third edge rusher. So he hasn't had so much opportunity, but a phenomenal game. And it's going to be tainted by that roughing the passer call um, or personal foul. I don't know exactly how that call works, but. I I think it's just uh, unnecessary roughness is what they'll call that. Yes. Yes. Um, Which it, to be fair, officiating in this game was, and in the early game was pretty, pretty horrible, spotty. but that was a clear foul. And you could just tell that the adrenaline got the better of him, which tainted an otherwise almost perfect game. Yeah. Um, Anything else on that defense 
that think the Bengals need to address or another player that stood out to you? Um, I do think that there are concerns about free agents like Jermaine Pratt. First of all, after he unloaded on Joseph Asai, yeah. I don't know if he'll be back anyway. So linebacker will maybe become a need. Um, but um, Jermaine Pratt and Jesse Bates are both free agents this offseason. Um, and those are like big names for them. So they're going to have to make sure that they address either re-sign those guys or fill up those needs either in the draft or in free agency. Yeah, with the with the Dax Hill pick this year, it almost seemed like the Bengals were planning for life without Jesse Bates. Um, yeah. Because I think Dax Hill, when you look at him, he can play in the nickel or he can play that kind of free safety role. And I think they, they still got Mike Hilton for next year, who's one of the best nickel corners in all football. So yeah, I don't absolutely. know what you're gonna what they plan to do with Dax Hill if not for uh moving on from Jesse Bates. Yeah, it's interesting because that that is a viable replacement. But one thing about Dax Hill that was so fascinating is how much of a chess piece he was. Yeah, you can move him around. Um, and I, that's kind of kind of where they went this year. But it also does somewhat feel like you're limiting Dax Hill if you have a Jesse Bates. Um, yeah. and you're and not I, allowing him to be that full-time guy. No, definitely. Cause I, I, as much as he can be used as a chess piece, it felt like the most significant snaps he got this year were on the boundary, which is just not a place I think you want to see him being used. Yeah. Um, yeah. and just one more thing about that secondary is fellow rookie Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, he had, a, I thought had a very nice game. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been very he's, solid. I think a second round pick out of Nebraska kind of has played well enough that you the Bengals, you feel pretty good with, I believe they have Chidobia Wuzier under contract for one more year. Um, so with him, Cam Taylor Britt and Mike Hilton, I think you feel pretty good about that corner group. Yeah, the problem does become depth, though, because Eli Apple is still getting meaningful playoff snaps. Um, and he's he will, not the worst player in the NFL, but still. I think Eli Apple will be joining some Bills players in Cancun. After. Absolutely. Cancun yeah. on three. Yeah, Cancun on three. Um, um, but yeah, no. So definitely... A big, I think the common thre- thread from the Spangles conversation is just depth. Yeah, they they definitely need to add depth. Um, and maybe I don't know what their holes are going to be after free agency. I don't know exactly how they plan on, you know, plugging that. But they're they're definitely also going to have to plug, uh, find a replacement for Jermaine Pratt. Um, and yeah, plug in those holes. Yeah, and I think at this point. Bengals will be picking at 28 in the draft. If that's right. Yes. Or maybe because I, I don't think know, either the 49ers have the better record. So well, it's one pick down because oh, there's right. 31 picks instead of 32. So it's 27, I think. Mm, I think no, I think the Bengals will pick at 29. And then Niners. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Or sorry, yeah, I think it's twenty-seven. 20, I think it's twenty-eight, maybe. But we can we'll get into this. Oh yeah, yeah, it would be twenty-eight. Yeah. I am not good at math. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, it's it, with the forfeited pick. It's definitely going to be difficult to keep track of who's picking when. Yeah, it gets very confusing. Um. um yeah. So I guess, or anything more you want to say about these games overall, or you want to move on? think i'm ready to move on okay so now we'll throw the red flag the segment in which we'll each present a hot take um harry you want to start yeah this is gonna be this would blow up the world if this was on like espn um down with roughing the passer and like these personal fouls that decide uh, down with like personal fouls and roughing the passer calls that 
in the last like minutes of games that like decide these games. Uh, we saw with the Giants. Now, some of them are bad calls. This this was a good call. Like it was a personal foul. It was unnecessary roughness on Joseph Osai, but it's upsetting that it ended the game that way. The game shouldn't have ended on that. The game should end. You know, it happens and it, it needed to happen, but it's just I don't like that football games end like that. It's like it's like when the all-star game in the NBA ended on a free throw. It's just I want to see a football game end like a football game um, and not with roughing the passer. No, definitely. You have the the, arguably the two best quarterbacks on the planet and the game is being decided in a way by the refs. Like that just leaves you with an uneasy feeling. Do you have an alternative or are you just saying don't call that and the final two minutes of each half? Yeah, it's just don't call that. I get player safety, and I understand that if any NFL player heard this, they'd be like, what the hell? I want to stay safe and alive. And I'm not calling for the end of roughing the passer or for the end of personal fouls because I think they're very important, and I'm all for player safety. But it's just like I need football games to end like football games and not – it's an unsettling feeling for me that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl because of a roughing the passer call as opposed to the Bengals be, or not roughing the passer because of unnecessary roughness. Um, and yeah, I just wish that that's not how the game ended. I wish you just wouldn't have pushed him like that. That also is a great alternative, but it's also like, these are high energy moments. Like he's living in the moment. He's trying to make a hustle play and he makes a dumb play, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I think we were robbed of potentially the brand new overtime format and an exciting shootout then. Um, so yeah, definitely a little bit upsetting, or even to see what Patrick Mahomes would have done had he needed those extra 15, 20 yards or so to get into field goal range. Um, yeah, with eight-ish seconds left. Yeah, um, and no timeouts, I think. I don't think they had any timeouts. Yeah, so definitely we were robbed of that experience, but an interesting take nonetheless. Um, definitely. I'll start with a take that I'll admit more of maybe a lukewarm probably would have been hotter last year, but I'm just going to say it. Chris Jones is the second most important player on the chiefs and Travis Kelsey is very important to the offense. Obviously Patrick Mahomes, most valuable player in the NFL, most important player, quarterback, most important position. Um, but the, the amount of havoc that Chris Jones causes in the past game and winning against double teams, they're moving him outside, still able to produce from the edge. And he's a plus defender in the run game also. Maybe the best defensive tackle in football. I don't know. Aaron Donald, he's been so good for so long, but he's coming off on not his best season. So... To me, the Chiefs might have won this game without Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs don't win this game without Chris Jones. Interesting. I would definitely still say that Travis Kelsey, to me, feels like the second most important player on that team. The connection that he and Patrick Mahomes have together just make that offense move. And it's he's Patrick Mahomes' safety blanket, and I think he's what allows – he is what allows Patrick Mahomes to not be as sporadic as a guy like Josh Allen. But Chris Jones is such a game record that it's hard to like disagree with that. And he just brings the other side. He brings the two sides of the ball together for the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually am a fan of it, even though I don't fully agree. You know, definitely it would – what Travis Kelsey can do for that Chiefs offense is – critical but the same time it was like what is the Chiefs offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill getting McCole Hardman and Marcus Valdez Scanling this week like they're looking like top flight receivers with Patrick Mahomes so could that extend without Kelsey if you have Noah Gray or Blake Bell out there I'm not sure um obviously not to the nearly the same level as Kelsey but I'll still present the opinion that Chris Jones most important player not named Patrick Mahomes on that team 
It's fair. Although I do think that like Tyree Kill was much more replaceable in that offense. Not that that offense made Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's maybe the best receiver in football, but I just think what Tyree Kill brought to them is a little bit more replaceable than what Travis Kelsey brings to them. Yeah, definitely fair. Um, is there? Do we want to present another take or shall we move on? I think I'm ready to talk about some coach hirings. Yep. A busy day for that. We had DeMarco Ryans agree to a six-year deal to become the new head coach of the Houston Texans. And seemingly the second choice, maybe, as it, they were also interested in DeMarco Ryans, the Denver Broncos agreed to terms with Sean Payton. I don't know. Do we have the length of that deal? I don't know if that's come out yet, but we do have the trade that occurred for yeah. that deal, which you is a first give... and a second, and then they get back a New Orleans fourth-round pick, I think, for next year. I think, but the first and the second are from this year, right? I think so. I know the first is, and I think the second is as well. Um. So, yeah, that'll be the first-round pick that they got from the Bradley Chubb trade, as obviously they their first-round pick is – in Seattle's hands as the interesting Russell Wilson trade. Let's see if Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson. That'll probably be his most important. It'll be job number one for him. Yeah. Um, anything. We So I guess let's go more into Sean Payton. What do you think his hiring does for that Broncos offense? I think it's a great hire as everyone knows it's a great hire. Sean Payton is a phenomenal offensive mind. He's, probably a top five offensive mind in the NFL right now. I can't agree with trading a first and a second round pick for a head coach, because I feel like you look at guys, I know that they didn't have Brian Dable on the table, but there are so many guys who you don't know who the next Brian Dable is. um, And you just don't know what that you don't. There's so many offensive coordinators who are so talented um, and I get that they don't want to go down that route. They felt like they went down that route with Nathaniel Hackett. But I feel like you could have gotten 90% of what you're going to get out of Sean Payton with, you know, uh, a Shane Steichen or a Ben Johnson or uh, or a Mike I, Kafka, one yeah, of those guys. Is it, I think Ben Johnson would probably, I mean, most likely be getting a job this offseason had he not committed to going back. Uh, under Dan Campbell to run that offense so yeah definitely that is true it is a question of the guys out there right now and as you saw in New York with the Giants how much does the head coach matter I don't know if you want to say like in terms of baseball perspective of war and wins above replacement I don't know if any coach can do what Brian Dable did for the Giants this year um but Sean Payton is certainly one of the better head coaches in the National Football League. But I, I agree that especially given the state of that roster and the plethora of holes, it's questionable to give up that kind of draft capital for Sean Payton. Yeah. And definitely because like they're they're really putting all their eggs in the basket. And this is a team where it's like kind of like the Rams last year, where it did work out. But this is Super Bowl or bust. They've put three first-round picks, uh, second-round picks now even. They're putting so many picks into this turning into a Super Bowl. They have to win a Super Bowl, and anything less than that is now a disappointment. Yeah, no. I think the the thought behind this hires, obviously Sean Payton is a great coach, but I I think the the, the thought behind the hires really – you got to keep Russell Wilson around for, I think, at least three more years before that contract is even cuttable. Um, so in that window, can you kind of get the Russell Wilson of Seattle and can Sean Payton help unlock that? Um, or else, no matter what, no matter who they get and no matter what other pieces they draft, I it's going to be hard for them to win. Yeah, and I do think that they actually are a very complete roster. Although after giving up Bradley Chubb, they definitely have some, some, some needs on the edge. Um, it's just it's so hard to 
fill out a roster, uh, you know, as a first year head coach, you want the you want that draft pick. Um, like it's it's going to be very hard for the Broncos, I think, to. I guess I don't know. Build up this team without that draft capital, um, and with giving all that money to Russ, it's like, it's it's hard. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's going to be a challenge, especially in that loaded division. Um, the Raiders, obviously, a question mark, but you got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and the Chiefs, um, the Chiefs and the Chargers being two of best better teams in football um it's going to be hard to be competitive in that division definitely uh but i do think that this hire gives them the best chance of being that um but it's hard to compete with those guys especially when you just don't have your first round picks yeah um is there do we want to say anything else about what Sean Payton will do for that Broncos team, or should you want to move on to DeMarco Ryan's, maybe the more exciting uh, young head coach and candidate? Uh, I think one last thing about Sean Payton is that, like, I just want to emphasize that I do think it's an, an exceptional hire. And I do think that, like, from a just, like, pure football improvement perspective, not talking about what they gave up to get him, I do think that, it will bring them back into Super Bowl contention. And I do think that if they felt like they put all their eggs in the basket with Russ and they just needed to put more eggs into the basket, uh, that this is this is the move that can get them to win a Super Bowl, but it's really, really risky. And yeah. somewhat hard to justify. No, de- definitely. Um, I think it also uh, it goes a long way if they're – defensive coordinator i'm i don't know how to pronounce his first name apologies but um if he doesn't he seems to be a a candidate for some of the remaining jobs on the market so if they can keep him i think he's thought of as a rising star um and just let sean payton really focus on the offense and he can take care of that defense be a pretty good situation for them going into next year um, so yeah, so now let's move on to the Texans and D'Amico Ryan's, um, do you, any reactions, thoughts? Um, I think it's, um, I think it's a great hiring. I think, but I do think that they need to be patient with him which they haven't done with no. their past two coaches. And I don't, I didn't think that their past two coaches were good hires. So they hired a much better and more qualified coach. I think this time than they did last time. Um, but they do need to have patience. Um, and I think that they hired a great defensive mind who focuses a lot on his defensive line and his just front seven and it's interesting that the Texans don't really have such a great front seven. So I think the most interesting part about this becomes who do they draft? Do they focus on a Will Anderson and a Jalen Carter? Or do they go in the direction of a quarterback, whether that's uh, Bryce Young, if he falls to two, um, or a CJ Stroud, whatever that ends up being? Yeah, no, I can't. It's I can't imagine with the state of that QB room, them passing on a quarterback. but as you said, that front seven and that defensive line, so important for D'Amico Ryan's defense from that 49ers scheme. And the Texans right now, they just got nothing there. So maybe we're more talking about the pick from the Browns, which I believe is that I think pick 12. Pick 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any D tackle. We'll get to this when we start doing mock drafts, but and rankings. I don't know if there's any D tackle that's can be justified taking there that they would want to take there um, or edge player for that matter. But players have to go in this class. So might just have to accept that players that 
aren't so good and might not even be first round talents in other years are going to go as high as 12, especially if the team like the Texans with so many needs, but specifically that need on the defensive line, think that they just need that right now. Yeah. And it could be interesting because they actually could go the direction of a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at two and then maybe trade up for a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson. They put Elf and get one of those guys. It could be interesting just to take. Um, no, it's, it's definitely yeah. an interesting conversation because you can argue that the Texans, I think fairly easily, that they're at least two years away. So if you go the route of, okay, we're going to draft Anthony Richardson, we're going to move up to eight or nine range, something like that for Anthony Richardson or for Will Levis, QBs that probably have to sit for minimum a year anyway, do you then operate like, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to acknowledge that we're not good enough to win this year. And we're going to start either a outside quarterback like Jacoby Brissett or just continue to throw out the duo of Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. Um, that'll be absolutely it. empowering. And, or maybe a third option that we, we haven't discussed here is do they go double down on defense um, with maybe 12 being a prime corner spot if they want to pair a corner with Derek Stingley. Um, we saw the Jets and Robert Sala um, do that with the Sauce Gardner pick, which I think surprised a lot of people. Me, a Jets fan, I couldn't see them taking a cornerback, but what Sauce has done, maybe the there's some thought of, let's take our best defensive player, whether that's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whoever's on the board for them at two. Let's take that player. Let's take a cornerback in the in, at 12. And then let's maybe kick the QB can down the road when you have guys like Caleb Williams and, oh, I'm blanking on. Uh, Drake name. May. Drake May, thank you. But, and just, I mean, it's hard to ensure that you're going to be in line for picking top two again. But again, if they throw out Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll again, it they retain, they can yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah they can definitely lose enough games to pick number one. Yep. And um, any other thoughts on the hiring of D'Amico Ryan's? I think it's also like a culture set. Um, it's not just because I think that there's a lot of concerns about hiring a defensive coordinator and not an offensive coordinator. I think we talked about that last week. Um. But I think that this is like a culture shift for them. They're gonna the Texans are not a play the Texans are not like a franchise that has a lot going for them right now. So this is kind of like a I wanna be a Texan. This is what I wanna do. And it's it's gonna make playing for Houston, you know, like playing for a football team again instead of playing for who knows what. Yeah, no, I think I think uh JJ Watt was very thrilled with the hiring. Um, I mean, saying that if you want to re-energize and reignite the incredible Houston fan base, this is a hell of a start. So, I mean, that's a pretty ringing endorsement from a guy who spent the majority of his career in Houston. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can get that young team to start playing with a, a lot more heart and energy. Um and going back on that point, do you have any concern with the probable outcome of them walking away with a QB this year and a defensive-minded head coach? I don't have necessarily I don't I don't necessarily have concerns about that because I think that overall it's kind of I don't know, the QB's coach has often has impact and I just don't know enough about the Houston Texans quarterback coach. Um I, I assume that uh, that Ryan's will bring in his own staff. Right. Um, yeah. I think um, we even saw um, news that he was planning that he they had asked for permission to interview. I believe it's the 49ers passing game coordinator. 
Um, mm. Yeah, Bobby Slowick for their OC job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those guys off the Shanahan tree are always very coveted. We saw with Robert right. Salad make a similar transition, defensive-minded head coach. He brought in Mike LaFleur. Obviously, it didn't work out for Zach Wilson on the Jets, but can D'Amico Ryans make it work? I don't know. We'll see. Definitely an exciting change in, in Houston. I agree. Definitely, um, definitely. And then, if you want, we can talk about a head coach that happened, I think, last week that we didn't talk about, which is Frank Reich to the Carolina Panthers. I'm a fan of this. I I understand why he needed to be fired in in uh in Indianapolis, but I love Frank Reich. I think he's like actually a very good offensive mind and I think that this is a great hire for the Panthers and I think like his running schemes are just really nice. Um and yeah, it should be very good in Carolina. I think this is like in I don't necessarily want to say it's an A plus hire, but it's like because like I think Brian Dayball is an A plus hire, but this is like an A hire. This is like they did they did a very good job. Yeah, another team who this team playing in a weak division, they got a lot of holes. Number mainly at that quarterback position, that's where it starts. What are they going to do there? What can Frank Reich do for them in that regard? We'll see. But I'm with you definitely. Uh, if not an A plus, a mark in the A is with that hire. Yeah, and one thing that I think was interesting is you mentioned the quarterback deficiency in uh, Carolina. That's a and, nice way of putting it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, they've they've had a bunch of them, but they have not been good. Um, but they yeah, their quarterback issues in Carolina. Um. Frank Reich has never had a quarterback below six, five other than Sam Ellinger for two weeks. No. Um, so that's interesting to see if they try and go down the, uh, the, I don't know, Will Levis route or the Anthony Richardson route instead of, you know, they are a potential trade up to oh, number one. Sure. Uh, but if that's the case that Frank Reich really values these big body quarterbacks, maybe they are no longer in the trade up to number one sweepstakes for a guy like Bryce Young. Yeah, I don't know if that's with uh with Chris Ballard, the GM. I think he's known to have thresholds for his QBs. So I don't know if that was on him or that's also well, a Frank Reich thing. Frank Reich's had that forever, like with the Eagles. Oh, with the Eagles uh, as well. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, does that preclude them? I, I think in mocks, they've been a popular spot for a CJ Stroud if he falls that much to nine or if they go up. Does that mean they're really only interested in Levis and Richardson, which presents the challenge for next year of neither of those guys are ready to start. And even with as bad of a team as they had this year, they're pretty close to making the playoffs. So you got to give them a chance in that weak NFC South. So what do they do at QB if they're going to go the route of a more developmental guy? Yeah, it's very interesting to see how they balance that or if that matters at all. And maybe, I don't know, it's just been a coincidence. And plus, in the past, that's mattered a lot more in the eyes of general managers and coaches, uh, how big a quarterback is. But we're seeing a lot of change in how people view things. And, okay, you can be six foot two or six one and be an NFL quarterback. Or you can be Bryce Young, who's uh, maybe even below six yeah. feet and be – an NFL quarterback and people feel comfortable with that. Like Kyler Murray went number one overall. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be very interesting to see how that develops in Carolina. Yeah. And as you bring up Kyler Murray, if you want to just give some quick thoughts, maybe on the other two openings, we just mentioned Frank Reich's old job in Indianapolis, but we can start with Kyler Murray's Cardinals. Any thoughts? Yeah. So I don't like the guys who they uh, interviewed other than Mike Kafka and Lou Anaramu. I think Anaramu. it's Lou Anarumo. And Lou Anarumo from, from, uh, from Cincinnati. I think both of those guys are actually very good. Um, as a Giants fan, Mike Kafka has done a very good job with the Giants, and I would trust him as a head coach. And I hope no team wants to hire him, but I think he would be my favorite. Um 
for the Cardinals if they were to hire. I think that they missed out on some other guys. Like I think uh, Shane Steichen from uh, Philadelphia. I don't think they interviewed him. I think he's my number one choice. Uh, and even Eric Bieniemy, who yeah is losing out on that head coach hype that he once had. I think I don't he's know. a great hire. Yeah, I don't know why. It seems like he's been talked about for the past several years. And it's like, oh, he he's gonna he's the top seems like the top guy for a lot of these teams looking to develop a quarterback and he just doesn't get hired. So I don't know what that's about. Um, but yeah. to your, I think it might have to be the Andy Reed shadow. Yeah. Yeah. That is the thing with Andy Reed influencing that offense a great deal. Um, but I, I'm not a Giants fan. So you, I, I don't know. Is Mike Kafka calling the plays or is that Brian Dayball calling the plays? Mike Kafka does call the plays for the Giants. Um, I think that it might be, I don't know, late game situations. Dayball might yeah. take control. I don't actually know how that works, but Mike Kafka is actually the play caller for the Giants, which is actually, I think, what a lot of people have issues with for Eric Bieniemy is that um, Andy Reid has actually started calling plays. Or yeah. I don't know if he started or if he's been doing it for I, a while. I but I think he's been, like you said, if not always, I think he's been doing it in those crucial situations for a long time. Yeah, but he he's started completely calling the place for the Chiefs uh this year. Yeah. So that's definitely one reason that Eric Bieniemy is trying to get out of Andy Reid's shadow. Yeah, and even I think he's taking OC uh interviews. So that'll yeah, be interesting. With the if, commanders who Yeah. That feels like a lateral move. I, but... I don't know why you'd want to go there. Oh yeah, we're gonna replace Patrick Mahomes with Sam Howell. No big deal. Yeah. Or Taylor um, Heineke. Taylor Sorry. Heineke. Um, um Maybe the no, definition but... of a tap water water quarterback of just you gotta just drink it and take it, but you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah, it, it it does it gets the offense moving, but although actually I'm a huge Sam Howell guy. I I was yeah. last year. I thought he he was even a late first round talent, which no one else thought. Yeah, but I'm I was actually a huge Sam Howell guy, uh, and I think he could be a guy for the Commanders next season. Yeah, I think that. We're kind of going really off the rails here. Going, going okay. nowhere. No, no, no. Uh, but, we're going everywhere, I mean. Going everywhere, yeah. But interesting that the commanders, maybe a mistake on the part of Ron Rivera, not letting Howell start more. I mean, I know they were competitive, but really what's the drop-off from Carson Wentz throwing him out there to Sam Howell? Yeah, I agree. And I think Sam Howell – he actually played very well in the last game against the Cowboys, and one game means nothing. But I do think Sam Howell is going to be a great – I actually think he'll be a great player for the Commanders, and it's a hot take. I, I should have saved that for, for the future. Maybe maybe I'll put that in a future episode, who knows, um, and go more in-depth on that. So I'll actually leave that where it is. But, yeah, I think that actually – that could be an interesting place for Bienemy to go and then leapfrog off of that into a head coaching job if um a team doesn't want to take him. Yeah. And then um unless you have anything else about the Cardinals potential uh head coaches and guys they've interviewed, um you want to move on to the final team that remains without a head coach, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, so the Colts, the guys who I like that they interviewed were Bienemy, Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, and Mike Kafka. Uh, ben Johnson, as we talked about before, is going back to the Lions, I think. If not, he would be my number one choice. Yeah. Um, but I think he is going back to the Lions. Um, and then after that, Shane Steichen looks like he's primed to be like one of the better head coaching hirings this offseason. Uh, you got to wonder how much of that is just how sick that offense is and yeah. Sirianni is great um but I do actually feel very good about Shane Steichen um because like the play calling is really good I don't know who calls the plays but the play calling is very good in Philadelphia and just like the whole scheme there that they run um and just like the way that they scheme players open it's 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 really nice so I'm a huge uh Shane Steichen guy I hope I'm saying his name right um but if not be enemy I'm actually very confident that if the Colts hired the enemy, it would go very well. Um, or even Mike Kafka, who developed Patrick Mahomes and has been a great play caller for the Giants, I think would also make a great head coach for the yeah, Colts. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Steichen, um, although I, I'm seeing he did not call the plays for the Eagles this year. Ooh. 
but still the way that the, they draw some of those routes and the way that you're able to scheme people open it, he's still probably i would guess the top of their list too yeah um anything else uh just just for a little bit of last year before we get on any thoughts on jeff saturday having two interviews already it's scary if you're a Colts fan. You do not want Jeff Saturday being the head coach of this football team. I would take any of those guys that I've listed over Jeff Saturday with the snap of a finger. Just no no more Jeff Saturday as a head coach. I think there are guys coaching Pop Warner who could probably do a better job than Jeff Saturday does. Showing what he showed in, uh, <laughs> the last couple of weeks his, with his only win being against the Raiders who are awful. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, and anything else before we get out of here? Um, I think that that's kind of all we got. Okay. We'll see you next week for our Super Bowl preview and the first mock draft in the pod's history. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been the Checkdown Pod. Have a good one.